We were in trouble a lot. You want to pour it, gasoline on a 30-foot section of a planter box and light it? I have and a see lighter. what happens? <laughs> Someone with ADHD, on average, by the time they're 10, here's 20,000 more negative uh, messaging from society and people than the average kid. What's your favorite part of ADHD? The spontaneity, willingness to get into new projects and ideas. Everybody wants authenticity. I, I can feel that my brain isn't working the way it should, and my ADHD is going to be very bad today. How long after that did you meet your wife? Um, so which one? I didn't know that was gonna come, but as soon as I asked that, I thought, oh boy, that's no. Nice. I was kind of thinking like, if there was the audio part of that, mm -hmm. you know, and then rolls into a fade of us already talking, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, something like that, you know, so it's like an organic, you're kind of stepping into a room where people are already going, mm -hmm. you know, right as the intro is kind of fading. Yeah, out, you know, and that's what I did last time. It went really well. Jumping in with advice when it's not asked, you know. Well, no, I, I very much admire your advice. That's, uh, that's why I ask you tons of questions. <laughs> and you're one of the few people when you talk, I listen. So oh. I always appreciate it. Anyways, let's Likewise, kick it off. You have that effect on me as well. Great. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Vibe with Humanity podcast, a platform for everyday people to share their incredible stories. We're here today with Dave Ryan, a longtime friend of mine, hey. and I know a good amount of his story. He's conquered a lot of adversity with a ridiculously almost offensive positive attitude, oh, <laughs> which shit. is very hard to do. <laughs> He's a business owner, husband, father, very loyal friend, and just a good logical thinker. So I'm really excited to let his brain kind of open up today and see where things go. Well, thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Cheers to that. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been super excited, a little nervous. My first you know, time being in front of a microphone and, mm -hmm. and cameras in this type of setting. Mm -hmm. It burns off like five, 10 minutes or so. Then you just mm -hmm. kind of feel like you're talking, but it is weird, especially is. after you kick it off. Like I said, well, too, we talked a little bit about this, about um, the anxiety part of doing something like this and when I feel that anxiety, then I, I know I should probably do it, you know, because that's how you get up to the next, next level, that next accomplishment, that next. Where do you, know, you think this will help you grow into like pushing through this particular anxiety? Um, or do you just like I have challenge? a lot of problem, um, communicating with people, um, and approaching people comfortably. Um, my, my pulse always goes up and I get that. And so I figured, well, talking with you, so, you know, like, you know, we bullshit all the time, but knowing that a whole bunch of people are going to be watching this, you know, I, I think it's going to help, um, overall calm my nerves, you know, and help me have a more, uh, disciplined approach hmm. into the conversations that I have, you know, cause you know, I can be either too relaxed or hot headed or you know, to all over the place with my thoughts while I'm in a conversation. So, mm -hmm. this, you know, this helps me, you know, try to focus that. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a sometimes hard time, like not listening to someone, but just waiting for my turn to speak. And so this helps me with that as well, because, you know, you're missing a lot if you're just waiting mm -hmm. for your turn. I didn't even know I did that for a long time. So I've heard that lots of times, you know, mm -hmm. actually listen, wait for your turn to speak. And, um, with some of the more intense conversations I have at the household, sometimes I've been practicing that just, just shut up, 
Just shut up and listen. And it's a powerful tool. I'm, I'm realizing that. Just wait, take your time, you know, really let people talk and listen to what they're saying and really not even try to combat it with arguments or, you know, just a lot of times they just need to get it off and it works out better in your favor. You know, you're there, I think, or at least for me, when you have something you want to say so bad. And by the time the person's done, you just don't care or it doesn't fit. You don't have to force it in anymore. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. So what do you uh, feel like sharing today? I I mean, I know your story and um, it's a pretty incredible one. It's kind of embodies the American dream, what you can do with hard work and discipline and kind of starting from scratch and just getting to where you're at with no handouts. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't say no handouts. I came from a, you know, a privileged, you know, household, Hmm. you know, was raised by my dad for the most part. Um, But I was thinking about this, you know, about where I've been through my life and each chapter of my life, I'm looking back going, God, that's a completely different person. You know, so I'm like, I I almost don't even connect with that person all the time. So, you know, there's Mm. obviously parts that, you know, you've carried through for whatever reasons, but, um, yeah, you know, I was thinking, okay, well, if I look back at different times, what are the cornerstone moments that switched that to the next personality and, um, or at least that's a good way to look at telling a story. It's probably usually going to be adversity, right? To grow through and transform. Usually, I think so. I mean, I only had the thought of that, and I didn't actually explore it. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that that's usually what it takes, or like those kind of cornerstone moments of something that really impacts you to change, you know, either to pick one direction or the other, where it's going to be, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. affect you for a long time. What was the earliest one you remember? I would say the first one where I really started taking control of knowing I'm going to be in control of my life is I abruptly left my home in California and moved to Washington um, and went to go live with my family up there. And I did that without anybody knowing, just, you know, I pocketed a few hundred bucks, which I probably shouldn't have, you know, to buy a plane ticket and I bounced. Um, and that was the start of, I think me doing what's good for me, Hmm. you know, putting myself first, taking control of my own path. Hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's, that's actually kind of been a pattern of mine. Um, when I do take a, a, um, a step into the next chapter is I up and leave the area. I just have to, you know, sever it and go, okay, you know, it's time to shed skin and move on. You know, I did that another time um, when I was getting out of my party days, mm-hmm. you know, is I had a, I had a run there for a, a good long while. You sure? Yeah, 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 yeah I did, you know. <laughs> Our runs yeah. crossed paths at certain points. They did, you know. <laughs> Luckily they didn't join paths because I think that would have been ruinous for both of us if we took our intensity together and applied <laughs> towards <laughs> party. <Right. laughs> um, yeah, so Trevor and I, we used to, we grew up from about six to, gosh, what was it? Um, junior high, basically, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And... We 
we were in trouble a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trevor and I were um, one of those those teams where they tried to separate us because we were always, hey, Trev, do you, you want to do this bad idea? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And mm -hmm. so... You know, mm -hmm. Do you want it, to pour it, gasoline on a 30-foot section of a planter box and light it I and see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my god! You want to go to the park with a switchblade, a bow and arrow, a BB gun, a blowtorch? <laughs> just see where it goes? <laughs> I remember my dad came home once, and we were shooting bows and arrows into the garage wall just, mm -hmm. just because, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he walks, I think he, he comes in and he looks at it and he goes, just Trevor, go home. <laughs> David, get inside. <laughs> just, and that was just, you know, there was no repercussion for it. It was just like, just separate them right now. Yeah. <laughs> or how about, what were we, nine or 10 when we, we thought, you know what? It's two in the morning, school night, but... I'm going to get on my bike, go wake Dave up, and we're going to ride up and down Douglas Boulevard, mm -hmm. which is a major street now. Yeah, it, was it wasn't so bad A lot bad more back empty then. back then, but yeah. yeah, we went to Caro's, had some hot chocolate, and the lady told us, hey, you know, like, cops come in asking if uh, there's any underage kids breaking curfew, and um, you guys should probably get out of here. So we book that. it. Yeah, oh, we wow. book it, get back down the, uh, turn a corner. We see a cop car, go around 7-Eleven, hid there. And that we did I it, remember. We got, yeah. we got away, and then we booked it to your neighborhood. As soon as we turned left, they picked yeah. us up, took us to the station. God, we would have just waited, so, you know. Yeah. But, How about that? But then we wouldn't have the story. You That's know? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do you, when you relocate from, to like take control of your life, do you generally, does it reinvent who you are and change your philosophies and viewpoints on life? Or do you do that consciously? Or are you the same person, but just in a new area and you're like, hey, I got to get out of where no, I was? No, not the same person. Um, when I moved to Washington, I was able to start expressing myself a lot more, you know, following, you know, my artistic sides, mm. you know, um, playing music, you know, drawing, skateboarding, but without any kind of uh, uh, structure, you know, I was just allowed to do what I needed to do um, as long as I was home for dinner and went to school. Mm. And that was very freeing for me because um, before my life was very, very regimented, very rigid, militant. Yes. Yeah. And um, which, you know, having that as a backbone to how I grew up is part of why I think I'm, you can use it mildly successful now, mm -hmm. you know, um, very successful. Um, and uh so yeah back back to sorry you. i derailed you yeah no, but this is what we I do derail myself all the time. <laughs> perfect <laughs> um so you got to be yourself and express yourself through art yeah what did that um, feel like amazing mm. you know um and i think it was more of just knowing that i had the freedom to do that where i could really find what was important to me you know, because then I, you know, at that period in my life, you know, I must have been, like I said, you know, in junior high, um, you know, I was into music and, you know, started smoking pot and, you know, discovered psychedelics. And so I was really going like, wow, this is a whole new world. I never knew. Mm -hmm. um, that was in know, Washington. That was in Washington. Of course that was in. That yeah. definitely wasn't at your dad's. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I brought that back later. Perfect. Um and you know well and a lot of that part you know still sits with me now you know i'm a fan of psychedelics um don't really smoke pot anymore so it kicks my butt mm -hmm. um it's a doses but, issue 
by the way. Prob- we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to smoke a ton and I enjoyed it and I would like to enjoy it again, but it's such a different game now. I mean, I used to be happy if I got a bag where I could pick the seeds out and it smelled good, you know? Now yeah, no, no. Uh, now it's like you yeah. can just smell the bag and you're probably good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I am a fan of those little electronic pens though. Mm-hmm. You can pick like, you know, the micro dosers. Like, yeah. A little sativa and I can just, mm-hmm. and that's all I need. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was probably the first stage of my life where I was able to start taking control, like knowing that I had the freedom to do what I want. And in that freedom kind of start deciding what was important to me. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I played soccer like heavily, like during that whole period, even before I left, you know, for 10 plus years. And, I decided, hey, this is important. Like, I, I wanted to keep that up. It was a good, you know, focus and outlet, you know, along with now music and then art and um, where before I didn't really have the ability to just choose, like, freely choose what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it, you know, hmm. that kind of thing. So that was nice. So where did that lead? You got over there, you got some freedom, you found out you like art. Where did that go in Washington and how long were you there before you came back? You know, after that period, it was randomly like I had, I think, two days notice before it was like, hey, my family is moving to Arizona and you're going back to California, Mm. Um, which was very hard on me. You know, I mean, I I almost just said, you know, I'm not going like I love my life too much up here. Mm. I feel comfortable. Um you know, I'm just, I'll make it on my own up here. How old were you? Uh, it's a sophomore. Wow. You know, um, and then, you know, that was my rebel nature going, I just can't go back, you know, but my survival instincts kicked in and probably go, you're not mature enough to actually do that. You know, you still need some, uh, uh, you know, a place to call home. Mm. And so, that was another big step coming back with that into the old structure and navigating that, which I didn't, I, you know, within six months I was, I left and just never went home again. Really? Where'd um, you go? I bounced around to friends' houses, living with them for a while. Um, I, I moved into your house for, mm-hmm. you know, like a month, two months. I, I don't know how long it was. Either. Yeah. Um, and you know, God bless your parents. They're so, so nice about it. Then I remember, I think it was Christmas time. Your mom gifted me a suitcase and said, you know, Hey, it's, it's time. It's time. <laughs> you know? yeah. Duly noted. It's been fun. Yeah. Um, and then I lived out of my car for six months or so. Mm. Um, I was traveling, uh, up and down from Humboldt, just buying mushrooms and coming back and selling them. And I think I worked at a few restaurants, mm-hmm. um, you know, busting dishes and tables and, you know, being on the line cook and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, just having fun surviving, you know, had a good group of friends and it was just a free, free time in your life. I had no cares and overhead. And, you know, if I wanted to drive to the coast and lay out there for a couple of weeks, you know, I would. And, you know, or go camping or, you know, just do whatever. It was, it was great. It was a lot of fun, mm. but you know, I grow up at some point. Yeah. You know. What caused that for you? Like, what was the turning point where you're like, Whoa, I see an adult path and I'm going to take it. 
Actually, that <clears throat> rolled into a, uh, mo- even more party days for a while. Um, I ended up getting uh, a job at a local restaurant and became friends with, you know, the cooks and things like that, you know, um, and started making sushi. And, you know, I was up at the bar, you know, talking with all the customers, had a really good time. Um, but behind the scenes, it was <laughs> kitchens are a lot rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know, it's, they like to stay up late. They do <laughs> very late. And, you know, for days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that was a very fun exhausting time in my life um and that lasted for years you know probably three years you know and towards the end of it there was those cornerstone moments i was telling you about and i had made some very bad decisions um where i remember i was hiding i was hiding on top of a staircase looking down at the apartments and there were people looking for me Mm. And at that moment, I kind of realized just going like, what What the the fuck am I doing up here? This is ridiculous. Like, I've obviously made some bad choices where this is where I need to be in this moment. Mm. And so after that, I made a choice to, this is before cell phones, or maybe not. I just didn't have one very early. But I took my address book. I threw it away. I moved an hour and a half up to uh, Chico. I followed a girlfriend I had who was moving up there, and I said, "Okay, this is a good time to distance myself from all of that." And so, you know, I took all the phone numbers and stuff, and I just threw it away, left, couldn't contact anybody, and started a new chapter. Mm. You know, and so that was another one of those kind of cornerstone moments. Looking at it, going, "Okay, it's time to shed that skin." You know, yeah. this isn't doing serving me good. You had to rebuild at that point, right? There were some bridges burnt and some fires and mm-hmm yeah um you know i wasn't welcomed at home anymore hmm. um my friends who were good friends good people um they really were uh but the the community that we had there wasn't going to go anywhere you know they were going to stay in their party days and their party ways and i i wanted more out of life than that you know hmm. so yeah. So you wanted more out of life than just partying. What did you want? Did you know at that point? Or did you just not want to be on the top of stairs hiding from people looking for you? The, pretty much. Okay. That, and, That's good enough. It's a start. And, uh, you know, I started, look, you know, projecting ahead, you know, going, okay, like, yeah, you know, it was always important to me to, you know, aspire to be a pilot, to... Mm you know, accomplish things, you know, um, have a, a good career. And, you know, so through all of these times, I knew like those were, you know, the core of who I was. I wanted to accomplish things and stuff. And so I always knew that that section of my life was going to be exactly, you know, just a chapter. And so I was able to luckily see that that chapter was ending and it was time to move on. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, burned a lot of bridges, made some good friends along the way. Um, had some fun experiences. Had a lot of fun. How long after that did you meet your wife? Um, so which one? Shit. I didn't know that was going to come. <laughs> as soon as I asked that, I thought, oh boy, that's no. <laughs> so I got married, what, when I was 22, 23 to my first wife. Um, 
and I met her during my party days, mm-hmm. um, working at the restaurant. Um, and I don't know what she was doing with me cause she was, you know, in school straight A's, you know, applying to UC Davis, you know, just, you know, really had her shit together. And, you know, here I am sleeping in a car, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, we stayed together for a long time, um, moved up to Washington at one point. Um, we lived in Chico. Like I said, I moved to Chico. Mm-hmm. She moved there. And so I followed her. That was my good reason to get out of town. So I followed her up there, you know, and I really wasn't going to school at the time. I just went up there. Um, and while I was up there, I was like, okay, well, everybody here goes to school. Maybe I should too. And so I went to Butte, the community college up there. And like most of my schooling, my, my entire school career, um, it just didn't go well. Mm. I'm just not, I'm not studious. Um, my ADHD really made school difficult. Mm. Um, and, and it still does. It's just, it's, you know, l- learning is difficult, at least in that type of environment. Um, so I dropped out, um, you know, showed up to a few classes, you know, timeframes are not my thing. Um, and yeah, so I, I dropped out of that. And so I was right back to where I was going, gosh, you know, I don't really have any real skills, you know, um, I, I could work in restaurants, you know, I, I did a number of restaurants up there and, you know, worked my way up and ran, ran them. Um, but you know, that's kind of a, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. School's rough for people like us that have brains that work like ours. Cause it's really hard to question your intelligence because you can't learn like other people. And you're like, but how do I have ideas that are awesome and I can build things and I can see different avenues Mm -hmm. to make things better that other people don't, but I can't fucking do two plus two. I cannot sit in this chair and do two plus two equals four. I can watch it on the board. That's great. Now let's do it 10 minutes later on your, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a really tough part of ADHD. Yeah. And that's been the biggest part of my entire life that's held me back, you know, and it's also been an incredible gift in its own ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but sitting in a classroom trying to focus on something longer than a couple minutes is impossible. You should, all of my notebooks, you know, start with like half a page of great notes and mm-hmm. then it's doodles, doodles, Squiggles. doodles, yeah. you know. And even outside the classroom, like focusing on anything that you don't care about, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I heard oh, it. While we're talking right now, I have another dialogue in my back going mm-hmm. uh, back in my mind. Uh, going, stay focused, you know, keep on point, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't just start derailing the conversation onto a whole bunch of hey, other that's things, all right. you know. What, uh, what's your favorite part of ADHD or at least parts that you really like? The spontaneity, the willingness to get into new projects and ideas, hmm. you know, the follow through may not be there, but you know, I will, I'm always up to experiencing something new. You know, even for a short short term, so I can you know learn. Okay, I got a taste of that. Okay, I got a taste of that. I can see you know how things work. You know, and I I attribute that a lot to my ADHD. You know, and from what I've learned is people with ADHD have a hard time fitting into the 
general structure of how our society is run, <laughs> you know, schooling nine to five, um, you know, even extracurricular activities, you know, like all of those structured events, it's really hard for someone to follow through, um, for a number of different reasons, but it also leads you to having to take responsibility and manage your own life in order to navigate all that, you know, because someone with that's, you know, has a decent head on their shoulders knows they got to do something, you know, to have a comfortable living. Mm. And so a lot of us end up, you know, owning our own businesses and running our own businesses because, you know, now we're only accountable to our own, to ourselves instead of, you know, someone else. It's rough socially too. I think that's, that's probably the hardest, or at least that's, that's what the hardest part for me was. You get invited to someone's house, never again. Someone's hurt. Something's broken. I didn't want to. It's, I didn't, I'm not a bad dude. I just can't control mm. my actions. You get invited to a party. Nobody can relate to you. You're kind of by yourself. Throw birthday parties. Nobody shows up. It's really rough socially. Did you go through any of that? Or did you kind of, you got into the, the arts and I think it kind of looked like you found a little bit of your vibe with people through the arts. So I was able to navigate. Yeah. From sixth grade all the way through, I would say, um, you know, as I was getting into high school, I had very few friends. Mm -hmm. like, I just wasn't liked. It was hard for me to connect like how other people did. Like they always had these things and I was just kind of always an outsider. And I didn't, yeah. back then ADHD like really wasn't a thing in my mm -hmm. household. It wasn't talked about. Um, or in society. Yeah. It just looked like bad parenting or mm -hmm. bad decisions on the person. It doesn't, yeah. you know. And I remember when it came out, they were just like, everybody has ADHD. And so, you know, they were just prescribing, you know, you know, pills to everybody. And uh, my household didn't believe in that. They were just like, you know, that's not a real thing. Um, and so I had to navigate or didn't do it very well, but <laughs> um, yeah, that, that stopped a lot of relationships for me. You know, I had very few friends, you know, you and I were great friends, you know, but you, you have ADHD and so do I. And so it's, we didn't it, judge it, each other. It, yeah. You it, just it, got it to be meshed, ourselves. Mm -hmm, got to be ourselves. And I think we can handle the amplitude of another. That's just the amount of energy that comes off of someone with ADHD, not just what they do and their craziness, but the tone of their voice, the pace of their speeching, their eye contact. You can just, I can tell like that if someone has ADHD. Has really? yeah. And nowadays, after weed got legal, when you find, when you can tell someone really has it, 90% of them, oh, I smoke weed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Bring it down a little bit, guys. Just turn the volume from 20 to 2, just for a couple hours. <laughs> Um, but socially I navigated that through, you know, being a rebel and smoking pot and, you know, finding that circle of friends who don't judge because they're too concerned with also, you know, being a stoner, you know, um, you know, mm -hmm. the biggest concern during school is playing hacky sack, you know, not a lot of judgments there, you know, but if you're show, nice. trying to show up for school and, you know, sit in a classroom, do your work, get good grades, go to sports, you know, do all these, you know, things that are just incredibly difficult to follow through on. You're not going to fit in with any of those kind of circles. You know, I mean, I was nice. I was nice enough. I was liked by people, but I wasn't befriended by people. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember that. I always, I always felt bad. You know, you 
just trying to fit in like we all were, mm -hmm. you know, felt bad for you, felt bad for me, other kids that had it. Now they can prove it. Go get a brain scan and oh, yep, you've got, right. you've got it, you know, <laughs> try this med. It'll change your life. Yeah. And I finally went to a doctor in my early thirties now. Got that, was medicated. It that long? You yeah. did that long without med? That, yeah. What was that like? That must have been life-changing. Wait a minute. I can think in yeah. a linear pattern and slow like other people? I, I wish I would have discovered that path sooner. Because um, it did. It changed my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had already started a business, um, you know, had a household, had a kid, um, you know, and it was just grinding, just mm -hmm. grinding. Um, but I was a mess doing it. It's like, I, I knew I was smart enough to do it. I knew I was capable enough to do it, but the amount of effort that it took to try and make all of this happen, fighting your own mm -hmm. disabilities, you know, it led me to, you know, breaking down emotionally, you know, I'd be driving in my car. All of a sudden I'd just be crying and sobbing you know, going, God, I'm a full grown man, like doing like, what the hell is going on with me? You know, be, you know, happening on job sites, you know, where I'm in the field working and things like that. You know, I called you, you know, once. Mm -hmm. you know, I remember that call. Yeah. Going, just, I was in a bad spot and I had to, I remember call over and over to the doctor, you know, just going, there's something wrong with my brain. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening, but something bad is going to happen. I'm going to have some kind of break. And after like three, four, five phone calls, they're like, okay, well, you can come in. Mm. And they put me through. And the second I started doing the test, they put me to this, you know, psychologist, then this counselor, then this psychologist. And then finally I got some great, you know, neuroscience doctor who really dove into my case. And she's like, well, you have this from this section of your life mm -hmm. and this section. And like, it's a compound thing. And get on this before you get on. Adderall, which was like, they gave me like a mood stabilizer. First. That was really cool. They made you wait like six, seven months. Yeah. Just like, hey, they, no, let me see you put the, not that you ever had a drinking problem, but put the drinking down. I want to make sure you can do that. I'm a, I really respected that approach. Yeah, they really vetted out what was going on with me and the underlying issues and navigated, you know, the ADHD on top of those things. And mm. so they really got a good picture. And I was very honest with them, you know, um, Sometimes you can approach a doctor's office and you go, okay, if I say the right things, I can get the results yeah. I wanted. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really sick in the head right now. You know, something's breaking. And so better to be a hundred percent honest with all of my history and let the professionals sort that out, you know, cause I'm, I'm here for help. That's, you know, good for you. And, and they did, they did a really good job. What were the biggest areas you saw that impact your life? Because it's pretty damn quick. When you get on the right med for ADHD, if you've got it, it's like almost overnight. Everything looks different. Mm -hmm. Everything feels different. Things get easier. Where did you notice that? Well, I first started off with a mood stabilizer because my I was starting to get incredibly agitated and angry like that, mm -hmm. you know, um, and... I had to conquer suppressing that um, first before I got to introduce the ADHD meds. And then as soon as I was able to do that, I, you know, was able to approach all of my tasks in um, 
in a way where I could get to the finish line a lot quicker. Um, it was my dedication to something was there. You know, I like if I wanted to send out, you know, um, a big bid and proposal for my work, you know, sometimes I would start it on Monday and then maybe by the next week I would have it done, but now I'd have it done, you know, the next day. So you could you exercise know. discipline. More. Discipline. Yeah. yeah you know, I'll find cause, that's because, yeah. you know, if someone pushed a whole bunch of other things in front of me, now I have 50 things going on while I'm doing this, I'll jump around all of them. And now I could go, Hey, don't no, set those aside. I'm mm -hmm. working on this, set that aside. I'm working on this. And that was the biggest thing I think. You think that helped you grow your business to where it is? Had to have, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, without without being properly medicated, I don't think I could have gotten to where I am and to where it's going. You know, I, it's it's non negotiable for me to be on my medication. That's a good place to be. That's yeah. healthy. That's mm -hmm. surrender. It took mm -hmm. me twenty years to yeah. get there. For I, you know what, I can stop. Don't tell anyone. People come to you. Hey, you fucking with your meds? Mm -hmm. We talked about. <laughs> you know, and my daughter has ADHD, mm. and you know, and. It shows itself in different ways in everybody. Um, but her symptoms, you know, she's a sweet kid, just, you know, just so sweet. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Artistic and the whole bit. Mm -hmm. but, Smart. Um, when she has her medicine, she is the same person, but she doesn't drive everybody else crazy by the loud noises and the, you know, just walking through the house, banging on the walls and, you know, forgetting everything immediately, you know, and she does it all in a very happy disposition. She's like, yeah, I forgot. It's fine. Ah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling out my hair, you know, going, it's just put your shoes on, you know? And she, every once in a while, will be like, I don't want to take my medicine. I don't want that. And I go, you know, and so it's, that's part's hard to be like, no, oh, you have to be. do this. Yeah. And, when she doesn't, I notice people are um, have a higher ir irritability with her. Mm. And she has space boundaries. Like, you know, she'll talk like right here at you and like hang on you and stuff like that. And with the medicine, she doesn't. She's able to control that a little more. And so her social interactions are a lot more positive. That's awesome. And, you know, um, so without that medicine, it would automatically start, you know, separating her from her peers. Sure. You know, people would be saying, getting onto her with negativity. Stop that, stop that, stop that. And that wears on your own psyche oh, a lot. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, the uh, Someone with ADHD, on average, by the time they're 10, here's 20,000 more negative uh, messaging from society and people than the average kid mm -hmm. that's Which, that wears on you man eventually you just own it like all right i'm bad like yeah let's do the bad fun stuff then mm -hmm. i mean oops yeah, i got in trouble saying that might yeah. as well live it yeah, yeah. might yeah. as well um i'm glad she has so, you as a dad so thank help you help her man. through that yeah. yeah i'm lucky to have my experiences with it mm -hmm. and to have my wife Remind me of my experiences with mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. so I can see how to help nav navigate my daughter through it. You know, um, and then when she doesn't take her medicines, it reminds me. Wow, I'm yelling at her all day. You know, my wife is frustrated. Her sister is like, you know, get her out of my room. You know, and I'm going okay. Well, she's getting a lot of negative feedback. Mm. You know, and without it, you know, she gets more positive feedback. You know, so. That was a long-winded explanation. No, that's good. That. 
How do you think it helped you as a dad and a husband? Like, where did you see areas improve there? Obviously, irritability. And then, you know, I would think mm-hmm. for me, anyhow. So, I'm a pretty nice guy. I know that. Mm-hmm. But I am very stubborn as well. And I'm quick to. If something doesn't align with the way that like I'm thinking about it, like it's it's I get very frustrated with it, you know. And it's like, um, well, here's that ADHD right now. Where, where were we going with that? That's okay. It started like going that's off okay. in a whole bunch of different ways. I did too. But I'm curious. You know, one thing that's really cool that like when I go to your yeah, fuck it, yeah, right? yeah. Let's <laughs> it's fine. <Yeah. laughs> Perfect example of what's going on. Exactly. Immediately forgot what we were exactly. talking about. We've been doing this our whole life. We just flow with it. <laughs> yeah. There's no. But like when I go to your house and I see your daughters and stuff, they really are able and encouraged to be themselves. I can Mm -hmm. tell that they are themselves at home Mm -hmm. and they have freedom to express themselves. And I think that's, that's awesome. How do you balance that with like providing structure and discipline? Where is the line? Because you had one way, like intense structure and discipline and you know, there's, there's benefit in that. And then the other side is like, no supervision. How do you find the balance there? Um, well, I got a wife. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> um, That's kind of enough said. Right? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, without my wife, um, my kids would fail. Hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And it's not because I would want them to. It's just because my ADHD would transfer over to letting them be late for everything. You know, all the shortcomings and comings of the structure that they need and the structure that I can't provide, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I barely still provide that at work. And so bringing it home and continuing that, there's, there's no, yeah. I can't even get them to bed on time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even if I start early. <laughs> <laughs> uh Sarah is the complete opposite personality that I have. And so hmm. we come together in, in, in the middle a lot of the time. And, you know, she's great and gets their homework done with them. She's very structured. You know, my kids are very intelligent. You know, they mm-hmm. get straight A's. Um, and I attribute that to Sarah's um, worth ethics and how she transferred that, you know, to to the kids, you know, their study abilities and all of that, you know? And so by the time, uh, you know, I usually get home from work, which is a little later than everybody else, you know, cause you know, if you're the boss, yeah. you, know, you yeah. work later. Captain goes down the ship. Um, no, no, drives I, the ship I to the destination. Yeah. Didn't work. Can't take <laughs> well, it back. <laughs> you know, it's as though that can happen quickly, but, um, Sarah's great at that because she shields them from my ADHD. And that's one of the best gifts that she gives me with my kids mm. is that she, she provides that barrier. So it's like, hey, you know, your dad has this, but she doesn't let uh, – she shields them from, you know, how I would approach them with it and, you know, make them late for everything, you know, like we, I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they get to have a scrape positive outlook on dad you know um without that and that's 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 really cool that it it is it's very cool then they get to enjoy the benefits one thing that's really cool about you and another thing about your parenting is 
if it's playtime with the kids and you are in their world, I mean, you're going to do it. We're going to mm. do cardboard boxes and houses and oh, yeah. creative games. And that is because there is a lot of creativity with the ADHD. There mm. seems to be some connection where ideas can just flow to us easier. So to watch you do that and create magical environments for your kids is fucking awesome. You can truly be engaged in what you're doing, which, which mm. is really cool. You can really see AKA that. hyper-focus. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hyper-focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like yesterday we, we went out and we played wall ball, you know, and basketball and soccer with all the kids, you know, and I was, you know, right down into it, you know, teaching them how to be competitive because, you know, I don't, I mean, I make it a lot of fun for them too, but at the same time, you know, it's like, I'll really throw the ball at them. Wow, what the hell? I'm like, well, that's what it's going to be like. You got to mm. catch it, you know, throw it back, hurry, you know, don't mm. let them get into the rhythm of being like, oh, wow, you know. You know, I don't beat them with the ball just to be sure. Yeah, yeah. let's be clear. <laughs> no, Nobody freak yeah. out. These, these kids have an amazing life. Yeah. What but, do you think? You know, you got you to challenge them. You got to push them. You can't, it can't always be easy for them, you know? No. You know? No. It's like, we, yeah. No, we know kids that yeah. it was like that, and they didn't do very well as mm -hmm. adults. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> adversity is good. What do you think, if you had to pick your personal philosophy on parenting, what do you think is the most one of the most important things for you? For your kids, I mean. Showing up. What do you mean? Um, and that's just not being there, but showing up when they tell you, I, I need you to show up. Verbally or non-verbally? No. And it's, um, I'm going to couple this real quick uh, with yeah. another thing that I, I heard once. And it was, you know, when you're 70 and you look back on it, uh, you know, on any situation, what do you wish you would have done looking back on it? You know, and so if you're tired and sitting there, you know, your kid comes up, you know, it's eight o'clock at night, it's bedtime in 30 minutes, and they go, hey, play soccer with me outside in the cold sack. You know, I've been working all day, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. When I'm 70 and I look back at that, and I'm like, well, I said I was tired and I want to sit in my chair. Or did I go outside even though I was tired and I kicked the ball around with my daughter and like we, you know, played a game of soccer together and laughed or however that would go down. And so that was really impactful to me. And I tried to remember that in a lot of the situations. And so when they say, will you play soccer with me, you know, right before bedtime, that's showing up, hmm. you know, that's the stuff where, you know, they come in and they just usually like, if you're tired or whatever, they're realizing they are too after five minutes. You know, but you went out there. They were like, hey, dad got up and engaged with me. What was important to me as a 10 year old, I got to have that with, you know, one of my parents, you know, or both of them. Yeah. Um, so pushing through your own limitations to show up emotionally and give them what they need. Yeah. In a sense. You know, and it's not about like the lessons you teach them. And at least for me, my, my the way I look at it, um, yeah. It's easy for people to learn schooling almost at any point of their life. You know, it's like I can go back and learn, you know, calculus and, you know, geometry and, you know, all of that stuff, physics at any time. You know, so learning all of that when it's happening, yes, it's important to develop those skills. Um, but teaching them all of those lessons and being super rigid and stuff like that, that's not my focus. Luckily, Sarah has that as being important. Perfect. But for me, it's... You know, hey, let's, they want to do something. Let's go out and do it. You know, it's, um, you know, even if they're like, hey, I want to sit down and watch my tablet for a while. So 
like, okay, well, uh, yeah, go ahead and go do that. But that, you know, I'm going to sit down with you for three minutes. And while you start it up and go, Hey, pick the show out with you and go, okay, cool. They're like, that was fun. Yeah. Enjoy your show, you know, and engage with them just for that little bit. That's showing up, you know, um, you know, tying their shoes for them, even when they can, you know, now we're going somewhere and now it's a together thing, not just kicking them out the door. Mm. You know, a lot of that's, you know, also focus and put your shoes on fine. I'll do it. But you know, I'm using it as an example. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing that I focus on for parenting, you know, cause the lessons come while you're in it, you know, you know, throw a ball at them and teach them to catch it or, you know, teach them that I can knock you over with it, you know, so dodge, yeah. dodge. <laughs> you know. Sounds like a good balance of <clears throat> being themselves and freedom, but also keeping them on track. Mm -hmm. It's cool. So one thing that I have always been inspired by is the relationship you have with your dad now, you know, because I, you know, I was over at your house all the time. He was uh, very militant, very structured, you know, very just, hey, we do it this way and stuff. And I know you kind of rebelled against that. And then at some point in your adult life, you guys have formed a new relationship. You know, it's, it's just really cool to see. What do you think? How did, I remember talking to you about it 10 years ago and I said, how, how did you go from like, you know, you guys really, I don't know where the relationship stood, but now you're able to have a relationship. You say, well, I try to let bygones be bygones and just live in the moment and stuff. And that had a big impact on me, just that little line. I look at a lot of long-term relationships like that, like, hey, today is very different than 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's perspective. Mm. Um, I see little things in my life and then I see little things that I thought about how things were happening when I was growing up. And then I see similarities between what my dad was doing and um, how I'm parenting. I'm going, God, like I held on to something like that for so long. Um, mm. But, you know, it was, you know, uh, um, looking at it from a different light. It's, you know, was something that, you know, was actually trying to help you, you know, it was trying to teach you something or benefit you. It wasn't just someone being, you know, uh, controlling or, mm. you know, mean at you. Do you remember when that perspective shifts, shifted, shifter? <laughs> <laughs> um, was it gradual or sudden? I ask because I remember my realization when, oh my God, they just did the best they could. Holy crap, I'm doing the same thing after you have kids, you know? I held on to a lot of anger for a long time mm. with my dad. And then he had a heart attack and I was out of town. And I wasn't told about it until he was just about out of the hospital. Mm. And I didn't go down and see him. I was still mad at him, you know, not for any particular reason. And he had actually been very kind, you know, giving me a car for college and things like that um paid for my fire academy and things like that you know but i didn't see that as you know him caring still you know i i saw that as you owe me just because i'm a child you know your kid um and so then after his heart attack i remember he, he was talking to me and he's like i can't believe like you didn't come see me and i was like oh shit like there's a whole other layer of Richard in there of compassion and, you know, all those feelings that go with it. 
that I just hadn't seen before. And so that started opening up for me, um, you know, to let things go, you know, to start being open to just being nice again to them. Um, unfortunately, it took a heart attack, you know, for that, but that's, that's where it started, you know, um, mm. you know, because up until that point, you know, I saw him as a figure of, you know, stability, um, of, you know, he takes control of every situation, someone that was always going to be there as, you know, you know, I still look for him for guidance. He's mm -hmm. an incredible person. Oh man, I do. Super I call him smart. too. <laughs> yeah. Incredible person. Um, and yeah, very accomplished, but all of that, um, that foundation got rocked. And I was like, oh wow, that's, that's not something that would be there for forever. So I got to, you know, start growing up and start maturing with our relationship. Um, yeah. And so I started talking to him more, you know, and him and I had a couple hearts of hearts and, you know, I told him, you know, a lot of things where I was struggling with. And then he said, well, well, yeah, you're a hard kid to deal with, mm -hmm. you know, cause, um, and so we kind of put our cards on the table and said, okay, well, you know, that was fun. Let's go to the river. And we just Fuck. start wipe start, the cards. Yeah. Start for, that's yeah, awesome. You know, that's so cool. What's the, uh, Oh, so, yeah. And so now we have a wonderful relationship. You know, we do solemn for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, teaching my daughters how to play poker, you know, and, you know, playing chess with them and going on nature walks and, you know, I'm helping them build a shed and ADU and things like that. And now it's just, um, it's just a really pleasant experience, you know, and he, and he also learned how to navigate my personality and how he structures things with me. It's always an option now. I'm very big mm -hmm. about you know, giving me <laughs> options. Do not give directions <laughs> <know>. to Dave. <laughs> um, and so he's learned that and navigates that really well. And, you know, once you know someone's personality and if you care about them, you can play into um, the outcomes that you want, which is addressing them the way that makes them comfortable. Um, and so we both do that with each other now. And now it's, you know, we don't even try. We just enjoy each other's company. Mm. You, know? you feel more like peers now than father-son? No, no. Still father-son. always father-son. You know, you know, he's my dad. I should. I respect him. Um, but it's a lot easier now. When you have downtime and your brain's wandering, what's, what's your favorite thing to think about? Yeah. I like to think about, you know, weird abstract things like that. You know, I like a lot of the guests that, um, uh, Lex Friedman has on, you know, he's got a lot of science, incredible music. brain. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I will listen to those while I'm doing something and I will follow some of it. And, but the concepts I try to wrap my head around, um, but those, you know, get me thinking about things like that. You know, a lot of these people that say English is their, um, second language because they think in math and like, I don't understand that. I don't but, understand that either. Yeah. You know, they're trying to come up with math equations about how consciousness exists before reality and things like that. I'm like, that's, I have no idea like mm -hmm. even how to approach something mm -hmm. like that. But the idea of it is cool. You know, you know, if, if, if we're not seeing something 
behind us or has it been thought about? Is it actually there? You know, you know that kind of stuff. You know, and yeah, it's 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 mind bending some of it, some of it, but I like to think about stuff like that. Yeah, and diving into like old like old and ancient um, symbols and uh, oh, what would they be called um. Uh, like just practices like um rituals like, yeah, rituals thank okay. you Gosh. Yeah. um like i just learned about solomon's seal and i don't fully understand it but it's you know, a group of numbers that correspond to the female anatomy and how that life cycle intertwines with how the galaxy and the planets and the universe and all of that work together um and how it all ties in like mathematically and all that kind of stuff and it's bizarre it's awesome so what's the the uh takeaway from it or is there no takeaway it's just something to think it's about it's just something fun to think about yeah you know going wow like the, there's some some form of knowledge that people created this stuff that ties in you know the universe with a life being born and all of the threads in between that and they put it into a box with numbers and figured that out hmm. and i'm like wow like okay. why aren't we teaching this kind of stuff to get you know people thinking you know and yeah. you know um getting creative um you know explorations of you know where we all are in the soul and all of that yeah you know i think it's a certain mind that's interested in even doing that you know it's it's not for everybody to sit around and think just to think and it's abstract not, think it's not practical in any use for me but it's that's interesting. yeah it's, it's yeah. interesting you know? that's why i asked when you have spare time yeah so, <laughs> do you have a that method? And I, that and i read comic books you know perfect <laughs> do you have a method to come up with your own original ideas like so for example if you hear something on the lex friedman podcast that's kind of inspiring and it causes you to think you're pretty good about not just taking someone's opinion and taking it as fact, but you sit down and what do I think about this? Okay. This mm -hmm. is what I think about that. Do you do that consciously? My personality types a rebel. And so if I hear someone say something, I can't, mm. um, take it as truth right away until I decide that it's truth. You know, um, I said it earlier. Um, what is it? Uh, you can't tell me what to do and neither can I, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's still when I listen to things or if I'm, you know, someone's trying to teach me something or whatever, I'm very stubborn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you said that and I saw that it works, but I have to do it to make sure that that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with, you know, listening to people and their thoughts. Like I have to explore them. I was thinking of an interesting one. If it's kind of a morbid way to start a question, but if you died, how would you like people to remember you? Like if someone was like, oh man, Dave, what would you like them to say? He was a he was a nice guy and a good friend. That's what I would like. Boy, that's what I'd say. So I think that's a cool thing to look at and then strive to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you succeed at it. No, nobody but, does. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but that's that's what I would like people to say. Mm -hmm. It's hard, especially with like minds like we have. I mean, I'm I can speak for myself. I'm fucking moody. I can wake up on mm -hmm. some days and I'm like, okay, this is not a public contact day. Right. <laughs> this is a text or an email only day. And so it can be hard when you have all this growth and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm 
I'm turning a new page and then you have a bad interaction in public where you were, you were rude. And I always go back and apologize. I really do. But (laughs) But that part, um, that's a tough part of ADHD as well as you're just like, okay, there's probably a couple days this month where I'm going to wake up and it's just red alert. Yeah. And that seems to be human nature too, Mm -hmm. but it does seem to be amplified with Mm -hmm. ADHD. So that's one of the things too, I think with ADHD that's not really talked about is I can wake up and like my wife knows this, um, where I can be like, my chemicals are off today. Yep. I, I can feel that my brain isn't working the way it should. And my ADHD is going to be very bad today. So acknowledge that I've said that mm-hmm. and I will do my best to combat that. Yeah. It's not a warning. It's, it's not a, I want to get my way. This is a reality. Yeah. So please do not dig into oh, it's anything. it's a warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I mean, like the other day I was tired and I could feel that it was off and she was in the other room and she was just like, hey, can you do this thing for me? And I'm literally on like the opposite side of the kitchen and I just have to walk a few steps and do that thing. And then I walk over to do it and then I immediately turn my back to it and start doing something else because I'd forgotten, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it took, you know, 15 seconds and then she looks, she's looking at me, she's like, did you do that? And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, completely forgot. (laughs) And she just goes, oh, you know, and she says, I'll do it, you know, and that's, uh, yeah. yeah. My wife got a lot of freedom. Half the time I'm like, cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a life hack there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think there's a lot of freedom for spouses living with people with ADHD is it's not that we don't care. Like mm-hmm. we are not skipping out on shit. We just, it's, just don't remember or we can't get ourselves to do it it's it's uh everything's lost everything's <laughs> messy and um not really our fault and we try really hard messy. and it's not fun mm. i think some people think oh that's gotta be it is not fucking fun no because you're your own worst critic and so when you see that something's important to you and that you haven't followed through on doing it or didn't remember and now it's causing other people discomfort in their life and though you don't want that you get down on yourself a lot for it you know god like why didn't i do that why didn't i do that i should have done that now they're mad you know now you know they're let down you know like i didn't show up on time when i really wanted to and so you beat yourself up a lot on it um and then you know having family and you know a, a, a wife who's able to tolerate that is a gift you know because i can't imagine being on the other end and i wouldn't want to live with me i'd like to go out and do things with me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't want in, in doses when i'm in the right mood yeah that's how i would do myself oh my gosh so you know you know our partners and our families are saints in their own way you know and so you got to give them a little bit of you know a lot of leniency when you know when they're frustrated well, this was fun, man. I appreciate you coming on. I have a feeling this will be the first of many. This was I hope so. This was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It's it's good to get a vibe and a flow and mm-hmm. it's hard to do it's hard to forget like, okay, I'm on a show, people will watch this versus I'm having a natural conversation. You know, there's a there seems to be a conflicting I don't know if you feel that, but No, when I first came in, um Yeah, what my, was that? What my, was that my, like? My anxiety was high. Mm. Um, I was very excited about it. I had anxiety a couple of days before going, oh my gosh, like 
I'm going to do this thing that I've never done before. Mm. And then coming in here, you know, when I was getting ready, um, you know, my heart rate was up, you know, I was having shallow breaths a little bit, mm. you know, still excited to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, that, how long did it take for that to burn off? Oh, I think you called it. It was, it was about know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I, actually, I think a lot, a lot less, you know, yeah. mainly cause I think, you know, you know, we're so comfortable with yeah. each other. Yeah, I hadn't accounted for that asking. I can tell, like, when I ask people, I had never accounted that people would be nervous to come on. I did corporate sales for so long that I'm used to just talking, you know, mm -hmm. where on camera, in environments I'm not comfortable on. But the idea of people coming on with no topic and just sharing from their heart and from their head, I never considered, like, that's going to make certain people uncomfortable. So I haven't asked, yeah. like, what's that like from your end? So it's about... 10 to 20 minutes and it seems to settle down and and then shit we can always edit that out you know right. edit out the awkward parts if we need to no leave them in that shows you know that people are real you know i like that yeah yeah as long yeah. as it's nothing i'm figuring it out too shit yeah. there's times where i'm like hey don't be a host you're just having a conversation the other one's like oh well well ask good questions and it's weird i, I mean it is a a show where you're trying to you know show the humanity of people you know vibe mm -hmm. with every you know mm -hmm. with people um, and so it's nice to have a host because I don't feel like I have to be in control of all the topics. You know, you ask mm. good leading questions, which is actually felt very comfortable going, okay, cool. Now I can go down this, this road. I don't have to be the one that's, you know, laid out a formula. You know? Yeah. And that's what I really want people to know is mm -hmm. you don't have to come in prepped. You can tell me ahead of time. We're not going to. I don't want to talk about this. This isn't scripted. This is supposed to be natural and fun. Like, mm -hmm. just come on, let's talk. Let's find where we get in that space where we're both connecting and we're in flow and we feel the the vibe. Like, that's the whole point of this. And mm -hmm. it's um, it can take time. It really can. It can take 20, 30 minutes. And then there's little pieces of it. And then you're like, oh, man, I interrupted his flow. Let's get back to where we were. It's, it's weird. It's fun, though. No, I like that you picked out... Um different chapters, you know, ask me, you know, questions about how, you know, different chapters of my life were affected. Sorry. And, you know, that, that made it like a nice flow of going, you know, oh, okay, I can talk about, you know, this section and this section and this section instead mm -hmm. of just kind of, you know, yeah, you know, sp spiraling out of control as mm -hmm. my ADHD would probably let me. I want it to be comfortable. I want people to know I get vulnerable too. I share things that are on my heart mm -hmm. and um, I just want to talk to some cool ass people hear from some interesting brains and see where it goes yeah i was kind of surprised that i shared that story of um when i was having a real rough time you know crying in the car and you know, on yeah. job sites and things like that um which is a fairly you know I, I feel very vulnerable you know telling that story to people and stuff yeah. um and it, it's but it felt natural like you I didn't have to hide from it, you know, and mm. I shouldn't, you know, because, you know, staring at vibe with humanity right behind you, you know, kind of makes you want to be very authentic, mm. you know, and so holding back um, doesn't feel right. Everybody wants authenticity. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people are trying to find out. Who, I, who am I? What do I like? How do I be myself? Everyone else is like, how do I find people that are comfortable with themselves? And it just seems to be this subconscious dance of... And I don't think people realize that you can do that with people you don't know. You can do that with conversations. You can do that by truly taking interest in someone else. You can help them 
find their authentic self or at least bring it out temporarily and let mm -hmm. people see it. So it's literally my favorite thing to do in life. And I thought, let's put it on camera. See yeah. What the fuck happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks. This was a, this was a blast. Yeah. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I was happy to be here.